1: to You Love to See It, FinBytes Movie Review Podcast. Every month, we pick a theme, and every week, we watch a movie. And then where we decide where its VHS tape belongs in our delightful neighborhood video store. We'll judge if it's masterful enough to vault onto our distinguished staff pick shelf, if it's got just enough hours on tape to grab a spot in our cozy middle aisle, or if it's nothing but a shitty false profit and therefore earns a spot in our smelly, Unsanitary dumpster where every drink has paint thinner in it and everyone is forced to participate in sing alongs all the time. Working the corner today, we have yours truly, Danielle Ain't My Master, Riendo, and my fellow time traveler, Fernanda Laura Dern's Reassuring Presence Parachas. How are you today, Fernanda?
2: Doing good. Just wanted to pay homage to <sighs> arguably one of the highlights. Yes. Of the movie.
1: Oh, almost certainly.
2: Almost Miss certainly. Laura Dern. Yeah. Amazing. The highlight
1: of most, of most things she's in. Exactly.
2: Sure. We love you, Laura. In case you're listening. In case you're out <laughs> Laura, there. Laura! Laura!
3: We love just you. Know Come on the love show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> or just, or don't. Just keep being you. Because yeah. admiring you is all we need.
1: Just keep being you, Laura. We have an incredible special guest today. We have a guest who picked... One of the best nicknames ever, I think, on this show. And that is Alexander Skeptical Pig Fuckly. <laughs> Alexander... <laughs>
0: Hey guys. Welcome.
1: Welcome to the show. I, Good job I, already. I
0: also I also want to pay homage to one of the highlights of the movie. It so is. that was, that was <laughs> a kind of great scene. Listen, I've actually just been I've been I don't know if you guys know. No, I've been hanging around the 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 Yield-C, you know, video store. I've been behind Yield-C! the, you know, in, in, in the, the back of the store behind the beads, you know, where the videos are behind yes! the beads. So remind me before I go to check out these uh, faces of death videos I picked up behind there. Oh no. and, and, and something called uh, I think it's like No Holds Barred. I think no. it's like UFC. Uh, UFC, 1, UFC one, two, and three. I just gotta check this out. This sounds crazy. This is like sumo no. versus boxing versus Taekwondo. Like this sounds insane. So we don't go you, into
2: that aisle, Alex.
0: <laughs> remind <laughs> me it's, before I go. If you go drinks.
2: in, you're never coming out. We <laughs> You'll must never warn come you.
0: Back. Okay. I love <laughs> the story.
2: That's why we keep it out in the back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we in the back.
2: see you lurking arm around. around. You're yes. one of our <laughs> one of our best uh, customers even when we're like Alex like we've we need to close we need to leave <laughs> Alex it's time to go my friend just, sorry you like know? it's 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 way past closing time and you're but there like it's... watching renting babe for the second time
1: babe two. George Miller's famously George Miller's <laughs> babe too <laughs> Well, I'm very glad to have you here, Alex. Uh, I'm very excited for this episode. I'm going to go further into our beautiful setup here, and then then we'll be really getting into it. And we have a lot to get into. (laughs) So we're doing Join Us June. And that means for the next four weeks, or for this four weeks, we kindly request that you relinquish your current belief systems on behalf of our fresher, superior ideology. Give up your individuality and basic human needs for the sake of fulfilling our higher-level collective vision. Cut off the negative influences that are not yet enlightened enough to understand the power of our teachings and follow us, your kind, generous leaders. In a month, we've been divinely inspired to call, join us, June. In other words, let's talk about cults, baby. Ooh. I did the song last time. I won't do it again. I don't want to do, you know, my girls, work. Baby. Yes. Let's
2: talk there about we go. You. <laughs> it had to be done. <laughs> <laughs> it had to be done.
1: <laughs> yes. You did it and it was beautiful. <laughs> I will shy. Really
2: it. I'll give a more enthusiastic rendition later maybe. I don't know. I need to get okay. into it.
1: <laughs> you know, we can always do, like, y- you love to sing it. Like the other Yieldsie. Oh, wow. Like the other Yieldsie <laughs> that we have going on. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and Alex, as 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 our listeners um, might want to know, before we move into the specifics of the movie, uh, he's a, a prolific karaoke here. and I know that oh. firsthand oh from experience. For Toronto we have nights. been karaokeing together in Toronto. I can attest. Toronto nights,
0: Fernanda. Toronto oh, nights. Toronto
2: oh. nights. What happens in Toronto? Doesn't stay in Toronto because there's really uh, nothing illegal or anything, so we can talk about it <laughs>
0: on the <this> show. <coughs> Tell but, me yeah. something. Oh no, no, we can't do that right now. No, man, there's, no, time. There's, no time. Our, <laughs> there's no time. This is in our. There's only no time.
2: This is in our OnlyFans. where We yeah. just sing "Shallow." Seven right, is is no times. bonus, bonus
1: content for subscribers. Cites it yeah. <laughs> to our Patreon
2: that doesn't exist. Uh, it's just gonna be me and Alex singing "Shallow."
1: Honestly, I love that. Uh, we can make a show out of that. But I guess I guess, from Toronto to, well, the Bay Area and also New York and Philadelphia. And I guess somewhere in England. They don't really say where. but That's where we're going for today. As this week, we're delving into post-war America and Paul Thomas Anderson's psyche with 2012's <laughs> The Master.
3: There will be people on the outside who will not understand the condition you men have. Now upon your shoulders
0: rests the responsibility of a post-war world. And smile. You can start a business. Filling station, grocery, or hardware store. Get a few acres of land and raise some chickens. You have a break coming?
3: Ten minutes.
1: If the average civilian had been through the same stresses that you have been through, undoubtedly they too would have developed the same nervous condition. You must understand. Yeah. You want to get the lake right
3: how do I get down here? You're acting aggressive because you drink too much alcohol. What do you do? I am a writer, a doctor, a nuclear physicist, a theoretical philosopher. But above all, I am a man, just like you. <laughs> He's been writing all night. You seem to inspire something in him. What we will do now will urge you toward
0: existence within a group society of family. Good science, by definition, allows for more than one opinion. Otherwise, you merely have the will of one man, which is the basis of cult.
2: And this is where we are at. To have to explain ourselves. For what? The only way to defend ourselves is to attack.
0: You know you should wake
3: up, Val. Your father speak and you might learn something. He's making all this up as he goes along. You don't see that? If we are not helping him,
1: then it is we who have failed He's past
2: help.
1: Aren't insane. So we're about to fly right into our first segment, uh, which is setting the scene, where we introduce, of course, the movie at hand and have a little spoiler-free chat with our hi- about our history with it. But first, I'm just going to give you a little recap um, about this movie. This is just some material that I've provided here. <clears throat> the master is a modern Paul Thomas Anderson movie, which is to say it's about poison and pretty cinematography and extremely talented actors playing deeply fucked up people. This one is about the master, and he goes by master, in fact, of a strange uh, Scientology-esque, it's not Scientology, but it's it's playing Adjacent. in some of that territory. Adjacent, yeah. yes. <laughs> Scientology-esque cult. Uh, and he is played, of course, by the dearly departed Philip Seymour Hoffman. R.I.P. to a real one, uh, right. and a troubled drifter who is uh, played by Joaquin Phoenix and a whole host of time traveling pseudoscience loving cultists. Uh, but we will get to that in due time. First, we are going to go on with setting the scene and ask about our respective histories uh, with the movie. I'm going to ask our guest first. Alex, have you seen this before? Do, are you a PTA fan? You know, what, how'd you come into this movie?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yes. To all of that. I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson guy. I want to say I've seen all his films, but I know I haven't seen his first one. Unfortunately, I'm I'm a phony. I haven't seen (laughs) Heart 8 or Sydney, whatever the hardcore Paul (laughs) Thomas, real hardcore Paul Thomas. fans call it. fans. Uh, Other than that, I've seen all all his films. I think he's one of the best American directors alive today. I think he's brilliant. Um, So I have seen this movie. Well, in its entirety, at least probably like two or three times before you guys. That's yes, intense. before the opportunity came to talk about the show and then bits and pieces of it here and there. You know, you know, it's a brisk movie. You just there's certain scenes you're sitting down to have lunch. Just some fun loving. Yeah, some fun loving. I just watched 10 minutes of The Master. <laughs> it's really going well with this McDonald's burger, you know,
2: exactly. just like but, uh, nothing like just paint thinner being like distilled through delicious. like bread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah! really open one's appetite. Uh,
0: but yes, I, I did see it in theaters. I believe I went to see it with my brother, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. He's also a Paul Tom Anderson fan. So I went to see it in theaters, uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about our impressions of it more in the, at first. But I, I do remember being probably about as mystified uh, as most people are on their first viewing. I could be wrong, but I definitely did not walk out feeling like I had a strong grasp of what exactly I had seen.
1: Sure, sure. Oh, that sounds really good. Well, thank you. Fernanda, how about you? What is your history? With the master, this master in question right here, and, and perhaps a little PTA himself.
2: Yeah, so PTA is the director I always mock when I want to mock <laughs> guys who like movies. Oh boy, <laughs> oh, we're gonna have fun today because <laughs> he really is a patron saint of dudes who watch movies. Trademark, uh, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just, it's just a funny, it's a funny go-to. Uh, that's all. It's just my lack of creativity. And I had... So, the thing with the master, which I'm sure Danielle and I will have to have a conversation about later because <laughs> judging by Danielle's notes, uh, but I had seen like half of it once uh, on the recommendation of a pretentious ex who uh, was also the one who made me watch the weird lobster movie also with Joaquin Phoenix. Oh, Yeah, which uh, they exist in the same universe in my head (laughs) because I watch them (laughs) at the same time. So I thought it was super boring. I wasn't paying attention to it. Like I was doing other things and I was like, you know what, this is not the mindset to watch The Master. Like this is not the moment. And then I stopped. And then when we started talking about this month, I was like every list everywhere about movies involving cults, like The Master was there. And then my uh, husband, who is also a PTA guy, Uh, he's making a hand gesture that's kind of like ish, ish. Maybe because all the mockery (laughs) of PTA got to him. (laughs) But he was, uh, and he just looked at me and said, you can't possibly in this day and age do a month about cults and not talk about the masters. So (laughs) I (laughs) uh, I was suggesting it all month. And then I was like, I was very, I was forceful in this suggestion because I really thought It would be a a nice closing to the month because I felt like it was going to touch on a lot of the things we discussed. I was surprised. It wasn't what I was expecting. I didn't really remember any of it from the first watch. And I I suspect we're going to be in different places with this one, in this discussion. I'm curious.
0: I cannot tell where this is going. I can't tell from your tone. (laughs) When, When I heard we were watching this movie, I was like, Fernanda is going to effing hate this movie uh, but I, now i'm not sure now i'm like optimistic that we can have you a conversation know, you here.
2: know me too well uh oh dear. we'll see no I, I there is there's two i i i'm still unpacking my relationship with the
3: man. that's good yeah,
2: yeah. that's yeah. art i feel like Danielle has stronger feelings than i do i, I
1: might i might i love that I, I truly feel like we're making a beautiful arc here, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, briefly, I am not the biggest PTA fan, although I, for me, he is someone who I appreciate his artistry, mm-hmm. but he makes things that are not for me. And yeah. that's a difficult thing sometimes to contend with, to feel mm-hmm. like I can really, I can really appreciate the ingredients, but I do not think it's a delicious stew for me. Mm-hmm. Um just it. sort of generally. And I've not seen all his movies. Uh, so I will I will also gladly cop to that. Um, I, I suppose the most recent film of his that I saw before this was Phantom Thread. So there's some of that just just still percolating in there uh, for <laughs> sure. But I had never seen this before. Um, I watched part of it with my girlfriend who insisted she saw part of this on an airplane, but didn't remember anything that happened in the movie, which was funny to me. Um, Not really a great airplane movie uh, not by really. any means. <laughs> Like, maybe one of the worst <laughs> airplane movies no, ever. It's,
2: like, yeah, I feel bad, you know? <laughs> like, if you're gonna watch something in an airplane, like, it has to, like, feature The Rock. Like, right! Like, you know, or Tom Cruise, or, I don't know, or, like, Katherine Heigl. Like,
1: there's, yeah, it's just gotta be kind of a little bit splashy. This is not the splashiest movie uh, by yeah. far, but that's yeah. not really... Well, I mean, you could go into the water theme. There's some splashing, you know, some splashing happening. Sorry. I'm very sorry that I even <laughs> said that. Um, <laughs> I apologize to everyone. There's
2: certainly some splashing going on on Freddie's mind, uh, but that's, we'll get into it. That's okay. for
1: sure.
0: <laughs> no, this is all good stuff, guys. We're, digging, we're already digging into the really visual, in. the visual <laughs> motifs of this film. This is already this is the good stuff already. You're giving it away too early, if any. I know,
1: right? If they've been listening, maybe they're they're in for the ride. I hope so. I sure hope so. Um, mm-hmm. I guess we're ready now. Uh, now that we've talked about our histories with this beautiful film, we are going right into the spoiler-filled, in-depth, stripping it down section. Stripping it down. We'll get all the way in. We will go all over the place. Uh, we are all going to talk about our sort of must uh, must discuss items here. And one thing I did want to kind of start up our discussion with is definitely something we all agreed on. Now, we don't agree on much, which is fine. Uh, but I think everyone who watched this movie here and probably everywhere agrees that the acting itself is really, really something special. And that's something that I think maybe is the reason for most people to watch this movie or to you know remember this movie or think about this movie. Uh, but yeah, I, both, both folks here it sounds like you're very, very in awe of the just the acting talent on display here.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, first I'll say like, you know, I, I like, how I have to warn people about spoiling, you know, we're entering the spoiler field. Can you really spoil a movie no. that like has no um, <laughs> nothing to
2: spoil? No. <laughs> uh, I don't want to say no
0: plot. I think that's unfair to the film
2: minimal it has, it's a minimalistic it has no clear narrative
0: so there's no <laughs> I, what could you spoil sure. like honestly sure. i don't I, I, I'm trying to think, Like what could you spoil in this film like nothing like there's not, you could, no see it wouldn't make sense like if you tried to explain like something that happened like an hour yeah. into the movie it wouldn't you're mean right. anything to the person by the time they saw it so there you go sure. unspoilable film um sure. but yeah the acting is uh, th- that's really i think the appeal of like almost any paul thomas anderson film is you're going to be getting like career best performances out of like th- two three people anyone that's featured in the movie they're just the acting is just phenomenal and this one is really important to me because I hated the movie Joker.
3: Sure, I sure. cannot
0: stand that movie. Correct. <laughs> uh, beautiful looking movie. Walking Phoenix, of course, is a genius. I hate that movie. I had a snarky tweet uh, when he was like, you know, the, that Oscars were coming up uh, where he eventually won. I was like, oh, I can't wait to see him rewarded for his, uh, his nuan-, you know, playing a nuanced, you know, subtle, disturbing uh, character dealing with sort of mental trauma. And, I was, and I'm like, ha of course, I'm talking about the master, you know. So I, I, <laughs> that was it. That was a deep cut. I'm like, that, yeah, that's I, good. It got like two likes, and I'm like, you know what? Good. <laughs> that's good. That's-, uh, that's the right level for that <laughs> tweet. <laughs> so, yeah, his, it's just, there's such a big difference. And, and I get it, you know, when you watch any movie where character, again, is playing someone with like uh, uh, suffering from mental trauma or, or PTSD, you know, mm-hmm. there's exaggerated ways to do it, there's realistic ways to do it. And I feel like you really hit like the right balance yeah. here between like quote unquote movie, you know, being movie imbalanced. And also, like, holy crap! Like, you you know, you can sort of see like there's something very real and scary um, about his performance yeah. here. There's show there's showy on screen moments for sure, but also yeah. like there's just moments where you're just looking at his face and like a twitch in his eyes. You're like, holy cow! Like, there's a lot going on there, and I found it so believable and so engaging. And uh, people don't watch Joker; it's terrible. If you if you if you have not, <laughs> you somehow still haven't watched Joker or The Master, and you're at this point in this spot, just watch The Master. Don't watch Joker.
2: You must watch King Phoenix unravel in front of your very eyes. Well, just watch him anytime, because yeah. <laughs> that's kind of his thing. Uh, but, but mostly, <laughs> just stick with the Master. <laughs> I was actually reading, I have consumed way too much the Master content in the past two days. So uh, it's all like a soup in my head at this point. But there are so many theories about what the Master is actually about. Um, and one of them was kind of uh, talking about how it's about that it's a it's somewhat about how it's about the craft of uh, acting itself, uh, mm. and that that contrast is really displayed by the approaches between Philip Seymour Hoffman and Joaquin Phoenix, and etc. And it, it does make sense because I feel like they they play uh, these. Characters who are very different and very alike with like completely sort of different approaches. Uh, Like Joaquin Phoenix seems to be like the more animalistic, more intense, more physical. While Philip Seymour Hoffman has that kind of power in his acting that he can be very understated. It's like, not going to lie, if Philip Seymour Hoffman, again, (laughs) rest in peace, uh... That was that was a real one. When he if he looked at me deep in my eyes and was like, you know what? I have the secrets of the universe. I'd be like, sure, tell me. I'm interested. I'm listening. I'd follow you to the depths of hell, Philip Seymour Hoffman. But I digress. (laughs) He and and I I just and that's the thing. And we'll get into the specifics and our feelings about the movie itself, but like I was just very transported by the relationship between the two. And I think that's more the credit of the acting than it is of the writing of the characters, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And I was watching a video in which uh, PTA, because that's how he calls me FPA for (laughs) best. Uh, as he was talking about his approach. And he talked about how he was, he's not very specific in his scripts that he kind of like doesn't want to describe emotions. He wants to like describe sort of the scene, the motivations we're going from A to B and let the actors kind of go with it. Like Joe King Phoenix is the one who made the choice to have like the sort of slouch, to have that kind of weird posture that really adds to the construction of this like very sort of unhinged character. And, you know, like, and that makes sense to me. Because it does seem, and and I think that's a strength because you get a lot of intensity. And at, and at the same time, I kind of feel like, oh, I kind of wish these characters are more well constructed. Like I feel them, mm. but I don't really understand them. And I don't know if that's on me for wanting to understand art too much instead of just letting myself experience it. We've had this conversation in the show before, but yeah, mm. they're just. Really, really freaking spectacular! I was very surprised they didn't win Oscars. Uh, I looked it up; they were both nominated as well as Amy Adams, which is a miracle given the part that this poor Portland- <laughs> Alex had some notes. Yeah, about she has him. about
3: twelve
2: <laughs> lines. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's like, right. <laughs> It's still Amy Adams; she's gonna nail yeah, them.
0: But-,
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think the the winners that year were Daniel Day Lewis for Lincoln, and uh, mm-hmm. I forgot the other one.
0: Yeah, yeah Christ- so- Christoph Waltz, Django Unchained, yeah. who oh, was great, right. who was great, but I would have given Philip Seymour Hoffman the Oscar over him, um, just because Christoph Waltz had just won for Inglorious Bastards, right. playing kind of a similar role, mm-hmm. and again, amazing. I mean, we all love Christoph Waltz, but I'm like, yeah. I was really surprised when he won the Oscar. I was like, I was like, he just kind of played this character. This is like a good version of that character, I guess. So, right, it's um, like the
1: nice guy version. Sort of, yeah,
0: right, right,
2: <laughs> and the then uh, yeah, Anne
0: Hathaway, one for Les Misérables, um, mm, which in a movie which
2: I have yeah. a, a goal in my life and that is to never watch Les Misérables. Oh, you should. <laughs> it's
0: it, it's funny. <laughs> it's the funniest version of, of Les Misérables. That sounds so rude, but isn't it, is, it about starvation and people being very poor? It's called Les Misérables, <laughs> 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 but it's some of the just some of the the choices in it are hilarious um yeah. okay so mileage may vary some of the, some of it is very beautiful as well but i don't okay. think it's a very good movie and it is very okay. unintentionally yeah. funny and multiple <laughs> anyway and she's in the movie for only the first half and a bit and she's great in it but again i i think amy adams would it should have deserved some consideration there and um finally could have broken that she you know she's on it you know she's like an oscar winless streak that is wild to me like seven over seven I think. yeah
1: yeah that is that is upsetting i agree and she is great i just think she's wasted here that's, yeah,
0: well, the but that's my that, main
1: criticism of of this movie um, oh
0: big time but the point she makes yeah, about yeah. the feeling thing is so true with the Amy Adams character with uh, Peggy Peggy Dodd because she's she's there she's there she's supposed to be important and she only is like gets to directly act upon things and definitely has almost no characterization we get kind of no strong sense for her motivations um, why she, how she ended up in the situation why she's sticking around why she's so dedicated to both these men in some way um yeah, so I think Fernanda's comment is, like, perfect as far as the writing really did a disservice to her.
1: Yes. Yeah. And in that video, I think Fernanda, uh, P-T- PTA, our buddy. Uh, our buddy. <laughs> actually says something about, Friend like, of the show. W- preferring to underwrite, but that's still his most important job of directing is writing. And it's like, mm. then what do you do, bro? Like, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I... So part of this for me is that I have a lot of difficulty with when a modern movie, I'm not talking about an older movie because there is just a certain allowance I guess I just give um,
0: Mm -hmm. to a
1: lot of older movies that have terrible women characters, right? Like they're just... There's just nothing for me in that, so I just have to kind of put myself in a, in you know, a male character's shoes just to even appreciate something on a personal level, right? That's just something that I do for older movies that I guess I've just developed over the course of my life. Yeah. But when a movie that comes out after, I don't know, 1980, <laughs> what I'm picking a really arbitrary time here, but like basically something modern has like no women characters that have like any real interiority. I just have a hard time. I just have a hard time with it um, in terms of like calling it the greatest thing. Now, it is absolutely still something I can appreciate on every other level, on every aesthetic level to say that the cinematography is beautiful, to say that the acting is beautiful. Again, all these component parts are very well done and very well made. But there's just kind of nothing for me to kind of jump into personally, Mm -hmm. on like that personal gut level, on the emotional level. And this is an emotional movie. This is not a movie where, you know, we're chasing explosions down, where, you know, character growth isn't necessarily the most important thing. This is is all character growth. That's Mm -hmm. what's happening here. This is all about a relationship between two people. And it's very very intense relationship. And there are some people on the periphery, absolutely. But really there's kind of two people here who we have any sort of sense of their interior lives, interior motivations, interior, you know, feelings. Um, And I had some sympathy for sure for Freddie. Like Freddie clearly was very fucked up by the war. Like that's a real thing. That is a real thing that is sort of shown in the text. Like the way he yeah. kind of goes through the war, the way he kind of just exists. In wartime, the way he, like, clearly has some sort of sexual issues going on, for sure. But, like, hey, he has trauma, right? All right, I get it. Yeah. Um, But for the Master, I actually didn't get a sense of him as a person at all. He's still, despite how good this performance was, and I do genuinely think it's a fantastic performance, there's just nothing in the script about how he came to be and how he... Feels the way he feels and does the things that he does. He's just like a Wizard of Oz sing song man who has a lot of feelings, it's, but it, <laughs> it, just it, it doesn't like, <laughs> but like, it doesn't, it, <laughs> it doesn't connect with anything. So I had a really really hard time sort of coming to grasp with like this person as a person. Whereas yeah. Freddie at least comes across as a person.
2: Yeah, I think when you think about it, <clears throat> the. Kaufmann character Dodd as the as a, a version of Hubbard, it makes sure. a little more sense because Hubbard, Lawrence, uh Lawrence, so Lafayette, Lafayette Ronald uh Hubbard was yes. his actual name. Um, he was mysterious, right? And like a lot of the conversations about how Scientology came to be and 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 everything else, like There is a sort of ambivalence and people don't really know what to make of like because he had said that religion was like there are several instances of him saying that religion was a good way of making money. So, like, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who take the more skeptical approach of uh, trying, of, like, not knowing if he was, like, a person who actually believed in the stuff that he was saying and, like, was really, like, a preacher preaching this weird-ass freaking gospel, or if he was just a scammer, who, (laughs) a successful one at that, um who just like created this fiction and got everybody to believe in it. And I guess some people can believe that it's both right. That at some point you start sort of believing you, you get so into your own bullshit that you start believing it yourself. But in that sense, I kind of, I understand having that parallel with reality, right? Like I understand the character more because that's, when I feel that it's a very competent performance, that this is a mysterious and engaging character that doesn't come across as a villain. Uh I was expecting, sure. I guess, more of a a villainesque vibe, honestly, just sure. knowing what the movie was about and what I'd read about it. And then like I was pleasantly surprised because I guess part of it is just Philip Seymour Hoffman being likable. Like even when he's playing flat out villains, like you kind of want to hug him. He seems like just a cool dude. <laughs> sure, uh, but, but uh, part of it was I sort of I think the way that he played it was sort of purposefully enigmatic, so that you don't know. You don't really know, you don't really see him, as you said, Danielle, as a person. You see him as this, like, really weird figure. And I go back and forth on whether I like this or not. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've been sort of debating this within myself. Like, is this kind of a lazy way to go about it? Um, or is this a very rich way of letting us project our thoughts into it? So it's a, it's a very interesting, I don't know, like, yeah, his character he's, does does give more avenues, I think. He's
0: fun in this movie. Like he's fun, like like you said, you kind of went in like thinking, oh, is he going to be a little more of a sinister, cult yeah. like leader? He's like really fun. He's like he like he's he does all these hammy speeches. Like he's that guy <laughs> at the party who like who's like he's he's just funny enough that you know people at the party are kind of like, okay, I like listening to this guy, yeah. but not like so funny that you know us watching are like, oh, this character's hilarious. I want to see them yeah. talk more. You're kind of like, okay, that's enough. But like he's <laughs> the life of the party. <laughs> he, is, he likes to right. drink. He's he's not this. He is not this cult leader that is like, oh, I'm above earthly. Yeah. Uh, you know, the earthly uh, uh, pursuits. Like, oh no, he right. likes to drink. He he's playing piano. He's or, or singing. I'm sorry. He's asking them to play piano, play the band, and and dancing around and just being rowdy, much to the annoyance of uh, of uh, Amy Adams' character. Um, right. <laughs> so yeah, it it is funny. Like, the, it, it, I could see how it would not be what you would expect, or what anyone would expect. Um, but that's kind of a gift of, as you said, of uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman to take again, a role that we don't know how clearly defined it was for him and really mm-hmm. just make something so uh, so like visually fun to watch out of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And he has a lot of like really iconic moments here, <laughs> right? Like it is memorable. It is a memorable performance. It is a memorable like collection of scenes that we see him in. Um, I actually find him fairly sinister personally, but maybe mm-hmm. that's because of, uh, Maybe it's because of the framing, really, and the lighting and, like, a lot of kind of what's going on visually in terms of, like, mm-hmm. uncomfortable shots. That scene with him and Laura Dern, it's a very, very short scene. Yeah. Where she yeah. is basically, like, you just changed everything. Like, you changed the entire fr- the entire framework of their sort of pursuit, I guess, is that human beings have memories from past lives. And it goes back trillions of years, even though, yes, the universe isn't <laughs> trillions of years old. But, like, that's not... Again, I don't even want to get that caught up in too much of like, oh, what's silly and what isn't when it comes to religion. People believe all kinds of things. It helps them go to bed at night, you know, whatever. God bless kind of thing, right? Um, But like, it's, the whole framework is that people have past lives and they're not imagining something. They're actually reliving memories or understanding memories or, you know, having these memories. And in his second book, he changes it to imagining things. And she very rightfully is like, you know, she's kind of smiling and she's kind of like, is this, you're, you're changing everything. And he has that outburst at her. He just screams yeah. out of nowhere. He snaps and it's like the mask falls yep. for a second. And maybe it's not even a mask. Again, it's more complicated than that. And I do appreciate that about the performance, how nuanced it is that, oh, okay. Uh, he, he probably believes at least some level of this. Like it, it's not yeah. all being a fake, you know? It's not all being a scammer. Some of it, I think, is, you know, portrayed in a way that like he does believe some level of this but he's now making his own plot more marketable like that's kind of what he's doing here and then he screams at someone for pointing that out in a very polite way in a very subservient way too like she's not like challenging him like yo what the fuck dude (laughs) it's more like oh you know is this that changes you know she's (laughs) so gentle about it and he's just like ah Mm. He just,
0: like, screams, She 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 challenges him in a very Laura Derny way. Yeah, I was going to say. La- yeah, Laura sure. Dern is yeah. the the mistress or master, whatever you want to say, of, of like, the loaded smile. She's, like, a smile. Exactly. Like, so many oh. movies she's in. She's got this smile. I was watching, like, Marriage Story. Marriage Story, she's this sure. cutthroat divorce yeah. lawyer. But you approach it with a smile. She's like, oh, I'm your friend. And, and, and I, I'm going to make sure this goes down as painlessly as possible for both of you. And then, of course, it, you know, devolves into, you know, what a, yeah. a divorce proceeding would. Sure. Um, so... Yeah, she she tries this with a smile. And she loses that smile when he snaps at her. Yeah, And that's when, you, that's when you've crossed the line. Exactly. Lancaster Dodd. Oh. You, when you take the smile of Laura Dern's face, oh. you have crossed a fucking line. Okay? I'm just going to say it.
2: <laughs> Laura Dern is exactly that kind of person that if she turns to you and says that she's not mad, just disappointed, like, oh. you oh. feel like absolute crap. That is her. Oh. Absolutely. <laughs> You're right. That's why this scene sticks out so Oof. much. It's yeah. one of the... F- and it's one of the few instances in which he's challenged. Uh, yes, in the entire movie, right? There's the heckler at the party. There's this, and there's his son, uh, played by Jesse Plemons, who looks hmm. a lot like freaking uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's true. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> yeah, that is yes a plus casting. Yeah, my dude PTA. Well, probably a PTA. He probably has a casting person, (laughs) but I don't know. I think he has a. I think I think he has a (laughs) hands-on approach. Uh, Because he he did say he was trying to get Joaquin Phoenix to be Joaquin uh, Phoenix to be in one of his movies for ages, and he always said no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I also (laughs) could see that. (laughs) I really do like. I see like Joaquin leaving him on red. Like just like he's at a party or something, he's just like oh, this fucking guy. Is he said he a, like
2: man? I don't know. He <laughs> said he like engaged uh, to Rooney Mara or he married. Is. They're such an aloof couple. They're a couple I would never approach. Like they oh, no. just <laughs> sure? oh no, they just seem too good for the re- like they're just I'm not hanging exist- out with them. I'm not hanging out with well, them. They're people. not hanging
0: out with us. I guess It's more like <laughs> <Yeah,
2: exactly. laughs> <laughs> like they're not interested. They're having conversations that are just like way above our earthly Uh, but one thing uh, just a curiosity uh, our tie-in with cults is obviously Scientology which is not just like a read like Paul Thomas Anderson has explicitly said that he kind of took inspiration from uh, Hubbard and the Early Days that was Dianetics Uh, Hubbard published Dianetics was the book that kind of he was like this pulp fiction author Um, Hmm. incredibly prolific watch any video about freaking Hubbard and they'll say that he was a prolific writer. Like it's one of those um, identifying expressions. But yeah, he wrote a bunch and then he wrote Dianetics and it was kind of this breakout hit because it was this kind of like psychological, uh, you know, exploration. And the time was very like conducive to these ideas of like, uh, you know, psychological, emotional wellness uh, being accepted. And it was a hit. Um, and then that's where Paul Thomas Anderson says he, he got the inspiration from. And it makes sense. Like, uh, mm. Philip Zimmer Hoffman himself said that he didn't want to play, uh, Dodd as a cult leader or as a religious leader, whatever you consider, uh, Scientology to be, but that he was, um... You know, like a, a person who was ahead of a movement in sort of its early days before it took a turn either way, like before it took a turn yeah. for the bat. And I think that's also where he excels, because that's where I feel like we see the nuance. And like you said, Daniel, we see this guy who's like Alex said, the life of the party, like gregarious, interesting, a drinker. And then we see the cracks on his facade Uh that very... Aggressive hand job is also a scene that I think kind of like <laughs> <laughs> speaks we to. Do, we need to talk about it. I feel like <laughs> we need to talk about that. This. Was <laughs> yeah.
0: That was my second choice for
2: Aggressive hand
0: job? That was my second choice.
2: Nice. Nice. Hi. One of the the reviews I read of the movie, somebody said, like, uh, the what I hope will be the most hostile hand job on screen in two thousand as well. <laughs> Pretty I sure it's really... the most hostile hand job on screen ever.
0: Well, this is—I don't know. This is well before another movie you loved, Fernanda, uh, the Green oh. Knight.
2: Uh, oh God, uh, it's
0: true. And I you're right, you're right. Immediately thought of this uh, Green Knight when I was watching this movie again. I'm like, oh yeah, right, right. right. Oh,
2: maybe maybe <laughs> oh, <yes>. that's. <laughs> That's that the scene. mark. <laughs> Aggressive hand jobs. Uh, but real quick, I was going to say there's another sort of cult tie-in, although, albeit a brief one, because Joaquin Phoenix was actually born into a cult. I think a lot of people know that, but him and his uh, brother, also rest in peace, Reaver Phoenix, were born yes. into the disgusting Children of God cult. Uh, as Danielle was saying, like, I don't like to judge either. Like, you, everybody has some weird shit that they believe in. Um, or they're skeptical pig fucks like I am and <laughs> believe in Van Damme too much. It's so ridiculous. Listen,
1: but- we all have our gods, okay? And they're okay.
2: <laughs> but Children of God was absolutely, objectively fucking gross. Uh, yeah. A cult of... Uh, content warning, pedophile assholes, yeah. but yeah, as many other cults, it started in a benevolent way. And the, I saw an interview, he talked briefly about it, I think, to Vogue, that his parents were missionaries, like they were religious people, wanted to spread the word. I think he was born in Venezuela or something like... um And that's why his name is Horkin. And they traveled and tried to, like, do good. And once they kind of, like, found out the shit that was happening with the cult, um, they peaced out. And he was only three. And then they moved the last name of the family because it was Bottoms. Bottom or Bottoms. And then they became Phoenix. So, yes, that's another little cult tie-in in in our final pick of the month.
1: Yeah, it... I mean, which does make sense and it is a whole ass thing and it is oh, really hard to kind of wrap one's head around um, obviously we did talk about this in like the ways in which cults really hurt people and mm-hmm. prey upon people um, and that any of us is sub- is susceptible. We actually talked about this a lot in our um, <clears throat> in our episode on once upon a time in Hollywood, of course of like you know the Manson cult that really preyed upon young women especially. Mm-hmm but also that any of us in the right conditions, like the ways cult leaders, you know, <laughs> indoctrinate people, they're just kind of using hacks of the brain that would work on anybody. We've all, we've all got the same computer <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. And like any of, the, you know, the glitches will work. But here, especially, um, I do want to kind of talk about that concept as well with Freddy and like what what is going on with Freddy that he is really into this, mm-hmm. that he becomes part of this. And then kind of drifts off from it. Like that's, the, at least that's sort of my read. And I know Alex, you wanted to talk about the ending <laughs> as well. And it's, uh, it's I think it's fine for us to talk about the ending even before we're at our end, uh, which we're not. But th- that's my interpretation that, that this is a man who has trauma from his past, that he's fucked up from the war, which a lot of people were. And it, again, this one thing that did get me for this is just, how many traumatized human beings there were at a world war scale. Like that's how many people are running around with PTSD and it's really horrifying and really sad and really something to consider. And I, and I do appreciate that about the movie. Um, But again, Freddie himself clearly has some really fucked up stuff kind of going on for him. And he falls in with this. He's a drifter who just kind of falls in with this and then he protects it with his life, it seems like. He he really clearly has a sense of honor about what's going on here, given how many fucking fights he gets into with other people. <laughs> Whenever they call anything into question, he gets into a fight with someone um, and then kind of drifts away from it too. Like it's not, even this is not something he can kind of stick with. That's sort of the idea I came to. And if y'all have different interpretations, that's also totally cool. Uh, but yeah, how, how do y'all feel about Freddie himself getting into the cult and staying with them at least for part of the time and then maybe into the ending.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think I think there's something to be said about him finding like a, a kindred spirit or, you know, in, in, uh, in Lancaster Dodd and uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's yeah. character. Um, there is that connection. And, and I think as you guys were talking about earlier, they, they come at they might be coming at this philosophy from from different angles. But there, there's something about it that appeals to both of them. That, that, that there is this invisible connection between people. Uh, again, Dodd might have a greater understanding of it than Freddie does, but Freddie mm-hmm. is clearly looking for some sort of connection in life. Like again, he's he's yeah, animal is you know clearly the best way to to describe him. He's called an animal by uh, by Dodd, I think probably more than once. Yeah. Um, and there's something with and, and processing uh, the uh, the the cause and the processing which is used mm-hmm. to sort of bring him in at first. It's almost like the perfect method. it's it's kind of brute forcey. it's it's repeating questions. it's having you repeat phrases over and over again. Mm-hmm. um it's it's uh, hypnotizing. One of the, the skeptic at the party calls it hypnosis. And for someone who's kind of simple minded uh like Freddie, it really, really works. Um, he finds, you know, Uh, family on the most basic level by being Mm. taken in by Don and by being taken in by uh, on some level by Amy Adams's character, though she's certainly very reluctant about it. Um, And also a whole bunch of new women that he can pursue as he does throughout the movie. Just very (laughs) very casually. uh, He writes a very crude note to some woman that he doesn't even know (laughs) asking not so politely if she would like to have relations with him Sugar, yep. I'm sugarcoating the language here. Um,
2: <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. This is yes. a family show. A family <laughs> show. I, know, I, I,
0: I know where I cussed earlier, but that was for Laura. That was Laura Dern related. So I should be excused.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: Yes. Uh, so yeah, it, it is kind of interesting the journey he goes on. And you do wonder though, is there kind of what you're saying, Danielle, is there, is there anything that he would stick to for, cause I don't, I'm not even sure what the inciting incident is in this one that makes him like we see, you know, he, um, what's happened to be like he, you know, obviously he's done with the military. He's done with the war. He, he just loses it at a uh, department store job. He, uh, he gets chased out of another um, job, farming job because they think he poisoned someone. So there's kind of reasons like, okay, why those didn't stick. I I can't remember what exactly is about this that finally made him literally ride off into the sunset and just like turn his back um, and then kind of come back to it and then leave again. It's hard to say. This is kind of what we were talking about before with this movie, not having a super clear um, narrative and also motivations for its characters.
2: Yeah, I read a. I, read, I always start with I read a, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> he, it's good. Yeah, it's it's a thing. Like I didn't, I didn't love the experience of watching the movie. Right, like sure. it wasn't satisfying to me. <laughs> As I always say, I feel like there are certain things that are just not made for me, and that's fine. Sure. Uh, most things should be, of course. I'm great. <laughs> uh, consider catering <laughs> to <laughs> my wants and needs, uh, universe. But. Um, that's fine. But I did, I I was a lot more interested in reading about it and kind of diving into the theories about it. Um, and like I said, there are several. <laughs> uh, several. And I uh, ran into this piece on roger.ebert.com uh, scanners. It's going to be in the, the notes in our post that we do after this. But uh, the master, what does it all mean? And it's kind of like an interesting little dive into not just what the movie itself means, uh, but what meaning even means. Uh, sounds too complicated, but it isn't. It's kind of like discussing a lot of reviews because people were all over the place when the movie came out. And this sort of lack of a narrative arc was something that a lot of people discussed. Like, one one very common opinion apparently was like, oh, this is not a movie you just watch once. Um and a lot of the critics were even like, I don't, I feel like I just, I, it's me. I didn't understand it. I need to watch <laughs> it again to kind of like unpack it. And that's in itself a bit of a weird positions right? this, movie, like, this
0: movie gaslit people <laughs> <a> gaslit
3: critics <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly
2: like you're just not smart enough for this it's I, I, like i said with the green Knight with the emperor's clothes like i don't know if this is like an also one of those like the emperor has no clothes on situation i think <laughs> this is a much richer movie but uh one of the things that 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 was uh discussed was exactly this ending because we're so used to seeing sort of the characters go through an arc and have all these inciting events right that that make all these definitive uh changes in path and we don't get any of this here uh we do get glimpses i guess like what i kind of feel is that Freddie kind of realized it was kind of bullshit walked away then came back and A lot of the experience of people under like charismatic leaders is that, right? Like you leave, you come back, you leave, you come back. Um, And then there was that sort of like final scene between the two that was the closest thing to like a blowout that could happen. And then, um, God sings, I guess, I yep. suppose. Yeah, he sure uh, does. He yeah. sure fucking does. <laughs> if somebody just yeah. starts singing to me like that, I, I would not want to see them again either. Um, and then in the end, you kind of ha- see him having what seems like normal sex, kind of, with a woman. Y- yeah. <laughs> so it's I was like, most, okay. Listen, that is the most normal sex in
1: this movie. Well, no, he does have like, he. And I'll, I'll take it back a little bit. He does have semi-normal sex with the girl in the, the dark room in the in the sort of beginning like that's fairly Mm -hmm. it
2: did give her paint thinners or something
1: and like yeah well yeah mm -hmm. (laughs) but you're right (laughs) the paint thinner aspect i'm really really very dicey on in this movie i'm not gonna lie that really threw me off but like he does seem to have yeah so one part of this and i'm sorry to make it gay because i always do but one part of this is that and i think our buddy pta even said that this is one way of interpreting this is like a love affair between the two and they yeah. have the most intense relationship by far and mm-hmm. away, obviously. And like this is 1950. this is a horrific horrific time to be gay in American culture. Uh, it's just not accepted on any level. and it's 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 much less that either of these men is gay and more that they're bisexual and have like an attraction to one another and a love affair with one another. It is not sexual, but like he's basically singing him a fucking love song at the end, right? like that's kind of, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm not a heterosexual man. I, I you know, I'm just not. But like if you sing to your bros like that, I feel like that's <laughs> that's some love right there. And that's cool. Like I'm saying I'm down with that. That's cool. But it, it really does feel like <sighs> Freddie is just fucking horny a lot of the time. Yes. Like my guy just wants to get laid and also that's fine. Like I don't, the movie goes to these great pains to make sex look really kind of fucked up and like not great. And like, we sh- we have him fucking the, the sand mermaid. Maybe he's not actually fucking the sand mermaid. It's not explicit. So I don't know. There's definitely, definitely a hole fingers, there. He definitely, fingers it. There, there so he definitely fingers it. There's a hole there. He definitely fingers
0: it. That's explicit.
1: And, he, <laughs> and it shows him, you know, masturbating and like all of these things where it's just like, and the way it's framed is, is meant to be like very far away and very clinical and making it feel like very, weird right i mean this is my problem with phantom thread too and i won't go too far into that um that's a movie about kink from people who don't know what kink is it's just <laughs> upsetting to me on a new level uh, um, but like that,
2: that's <laughs> a whole genre right like it happens a whole lot this
1: is the next fucking movie he made so i'm just oh. going to say he made some movies basically about kink and consent and sex and poison Without, I, I mean, I guess these are characters who are trying to figure out what they want. And, and, you know, the charitable read is that people just didn't have the language for this, you know, 70, 80 years ago. They just didn't know. And they're fumbling through life trying to figure it out. That's the charitable read. The uncharitable read is that <laughs> PTA just thinks these things are cool and they're great window dressing on a movie yeah. to make things uh, have intense acting. But anyway.
0: Which um, yeah,
1: is... please, please.
3: Just, no, I
0: mean, I, I don't think, like, it's at all off like it is such an easy i think uh uh read into this to say that there was like homosexual overtones i mean sure after after the processing they both they 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 took a big they break out the cools they love their cools, and they took a big just a big puff a big puff and a sigh that's a
1: big puff yeah i
0: mean if you even want to just do like a surface reading of the film i think it's pretty evident and then and then i saw i was reading something saying that the 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 hand job uh, that uh, uh, Amy Adams character Peggy gives is like you know it's uh, as she's giving him the speech, but you know, kind of telling him to chill out and not not fall under the influence, like the kind of the sedu- almost the seductive influence yeah. of Freddie. It's yeah. clearly related. There's clearly a, uh, not just in her words, but her actions, her choice of expression in that scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. She yeah. she is trying to regain you know sort of uh, sexual sort of uh, priority, uh, if, yeah. if, if, you know, for lack of a better word. So yeah, I, I don't. I, I and like you said, Paul Thomas Anderson himself is very aware that. Uh, it could very much be read as as there's a, an attraction between them that's beyond just uh, you know uh, platonic, beyond just friendship. Yeah. Um, it's it's right there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Why would that's you be a- attracted to Freddie though? He's straight up gross. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm trying to be a pathetic. No, Joaquin no. Phoenix is a handsome man. You're right. He is. Joaquin yes. Phoenix is a handsome man, like objectively. I mean, even, the character.
0: Even Freddie has a raw sort of you oh. know masculinity about him, which at the maybe time in I maybe in my early twenties.
2: Now, maybe in my early twenties. I bet I can see it. And well, now... Now uh, I wh- feel like wh- it, it all reads like a giant red flag.
0: <laughs> There's listen while while we're on the topic of romance, and I do want to <laughs> yeah, tie this to also please, the idea yeah. that, his, that his character, like, how, what did he, you know, what did he learn? There's one glimpse in this movie that he almost kind of learned something that he may have grown up when he goes back to visit his lost, the home of his his lost love, Doris, a teenager, yeah. uh, a teen. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll get I'll get to that. It's it's problematic. Um, uh, he he's kind of like. He, he, the mom is there and the mom tells him, well, Doris has moved away. She's been married with this guy for three years. Like, you know, that ship has sailed, buddy. And he kind of like takes it well. It's like the yeah. one moment of the film, he kind of mm-hmm. takes it calmly. And you wonder, did he learn anything from his experiences with the cause and with Dodd? Like kind of like, it's this moment of maturity before he goes back to being, I don't know, being Freddie. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the Doris stuff is. Um... So the actress at the time the movie was made uh, is, was 17 years old. Oh, okay. uh, the actress named Madison Beatty. She was in. She was in uh, 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 on a movie you guys saw recently, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was one of yes. the cults, I believe. Oh, one of the cults, okay, I didn't even
2: remember. Awesome. Yes. yes.
0: Okay. She so she did that after, obviously. Uh, she was seventeen when this movie was made, and Joaquin Phoenix is twenty years older than her. Yeah. Uh, I assume his character obviously is meant to be a little bit closer in age, mm-hmm. but that's it's a good. little skeevy. I was, tr- I was creepy genuinely visual.
1: curious about that. I did not know. I will just say, for the record no idea how old he is supposed to be at mm-hmm. any point. During this You're
0: period. right. You're right. I, I would imagine like, he's like sort yeah. of like college guy age when they're yeah. in the flashback okay, okay. scenes or like no more than seven years older than her, supposedly, I would okay. think in the, in the film. But, but I mean, the fact that the actress in real life is pretty young and the character obviously is very young there is a, a clear age gap. It's a little skeevy. It's it, a little is. skeevy. Yeah. it
2: is. It is. I was like when she said, and it's like talking to like oh yeah about high school or something. I don't remember exactly the dialogue, and then she's like, it's like oh so how old would that make you? And She's like sixteen. I'm like, I'm uncomfortable. And, and he calls her a
1: kid sister. Is the other thing that's a little yep. fucked exactly. up. exactly. He, he refers to her when he's talking about the letter. Oh, this this kid sister, my friend, and it's like I know he's he knows on some level. He he must if he's calling her a kid's sister in one <laughs> yeah. and it's like the love of his life in another kind of context. No uh,
2: yeah. I think that's that's kind of supposed to contract. Like so we were talking about his like sexual proclivities, uh mm-hmm. and which is being it's strange, right? Like cause he's he makes out with the uh the store lady, mm-hmm. the in the room. And then when he, right. he actually gets to go on a date with her, he passes out. So yes. he's not really interested in her. It seems right. No. It's more of an animalistic instinct. And then, um, when you're, they're doing the, the, um, what do they call it in the movie? The processing, yes. uh, not auditing. It's not Scientology. It's processing. <laughs> uh, when they're yeah. doing the, the processing, he talks about, Having sex, right? Because that's the term that, that they use with his aunt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we know he has like a weird background uh. in that sense. We don't know how old that aunt was, right? Or how old he was. Uh, so incest aside, there could be, which let's just, I think we can unequivocally say pretty fucking bad, but like uh, could be even more sinister <laughs> sure. than than yeah. what we see there. <laughs> sure. And uh, so like, I feel like maybe it's kind of there to contrast, right? Right. Like he has this sort of like dirty thing that he carries with him that kind of like represents his animalistic uh, side or a side of trauma. It's not really that clear. And then we have this sort of like very innocent looking girl that I, I think that's kind of why it's there to kind of show like this other, this purity side of him and that chase of Doris kind of feels to me like it was him sort of trying to chase that part of himself, you know, a more Mm. pure and innocent side. And in the end, when he's having sex with an age appropriate, nice looking lady, Win, like it does, (laughs) it could, it could be read as sort of him, like maybe getting some sort of balance. Uh, between those things, like I don't know, that's that to me can be one read of it. But what? yeah, when you put this in the notes, I was like, thank you, thank God you brought it up because I was yeah. disturbed by this scene.
0: <laughs> what was your guys' reading of him, you know, doing the processing at the end of the movie? Him initiating the processing with this this uh, English lady that he that he meets at the end.
3: Ugh. I have no I
1: idea. I mean, I I, I like. This is one of the most normal scenes in this whole movie, which is saying something, right? Not normal. Again, also, like, it's cool. Like, I'm very good with a lot of abnormal things happening in a movie. It's not like I have some sort of issue with that. And it's cool also for a movie to tackle kink and to tackle some strange sexual things. It's totally good things to put on film, just for the record. But this is him kind of carrying over something that was good in his previous life into something that's good right now and she's down like she's like this is a little weird but all right I'll say my name a few times you know (laughs) I'll I'll take you know he said I was brave and he seemed to enjoy it like it was kind of like this is a way of him like putting some of that healing into action I Mm -hmm. guess maybe or how he interpreted healing to be this processing and he's like talking to a woman who's his age that he's having sex with in a way that's not like hey want to fuck it's more like Hey, I'm I'm getting to know you yeah. it's on some level that was kind of like all right I, I could see it you know I could see that being how he's like hey this is this is me putting my lives together a little bit let's try this hey I learned oh. this thing maybe I, let me let me try this with this girl she's pretty cool you know
0: I had, <laughs> I had to- such an opposite reading I really? t- <laughs> it's, it's such a grim ending to me
2: yeah okay. tell us
0: I I yeah, saw this as that the processing meant nothing to him that it became mm. like pillow talk. Um, Mm -hmm. and that he just reverted sort of to his pre, um, meeting Dodd and, um, that everything to him just comes back to sex, that, that, that he never actually made a connection with Dodd or with the cause or with any of the people in Dodd's, you know, entourage. Um, and that it was, again, it is this being unable to escape this, this cycle that he's in, you know? So it's just a, if, if for him, it's just a new bit of dialogue. He can break out with the next, you know, young lady he decides to have sex with, which is kind of what we have, what happened here. So yeah, I don't know. I had, I, the first time I saw the movie and even watching it again, I, I had, I wasn't saddened by the ending. Yeah. I found it interesting, but I did think that he had not, that he had not learned. Now that was the opposite he had, it had just, it, had, it yeah, it showed how meaningless that whole experience was to him.
2: I'll give it a third reading. That I think is more in line with Danielle's, more optimistic. Because Danielle's Mm -hmm. was optimistic, yours was pretty uh, pessimistic. I feel like it could be his idea of intimacy because he hadn't, he's been kind of invisible, right? Like we don't know a lot about his childhood, but in war, he was a soldier. Obviously, even weirder than the rest. Like they they go to pains in those early scenes to paint him as sort of like apart from it. He really looks like somebody who doesn't really fit in, who, you know, in the mall, he was taking pictures of others. Uh, that's a very one-sided relationship, right? He was like sort of seeing them and portraying hmm. them with them not perceiving him back. And when he gets to the the cause, he's seen, Uh the first time he's actually seen for a long time. And the moment where he's being processed by Dodd is a very intimate scene, right? Like he has to look him straight in the eye. He can't blink. Um, you know, it's a bond and it's somebody really looking at him for the first time. So maybe that becomes sort of his idea of intimacy and him doing that, uh, you know, in bed with a person might be the way he has of expressing that kind of, of forming that kind of like deeper Bond.
0: Hopefully, I like that. I like, I like that, that too. I know. Yeah, I like that. I hope that. Yeah, <laughs>
1: let's just. Hey, that, it's that's hope for Freddie. <laughs> you know, there's some hope for Freddy. <laughs> let's just
2: hope like things are looking up for our boy there, because yeah, honestly, his liver wasn't gonna take much of whatever oh was God. happening for a long time. <laughs> that guy was like, "What? How are you still alive, my dude? That is commendable." Like if I drink one of those concoctions, I'm not waking up for three days.
0: <laughs> yeah, early, early in the movie. Apparently, he's he's uh, extracting ethanol from like the mm-hmm. torpedoes on oh, the boat or something. That's, that's what yep. he's. Yeah, there's a scene where he's going down to down to where the torpedoes are, and he opens it up, <laughs> and it's like, is it yeah, fuel? Like I don't know what a torpedoes goes in torpedo. And then I just read later, like, oh, this is a real thing that uh, someone that Paul Thomas Anderson knew uh, actually did back in the war. They they got the they, they got the ethanol from the torpedo and. I believe believe
1: it. I wasn't sure if it was water. That cannot. It's not. I will say as an EMT, not good. Don't (laughs) Don't drink it. (laughs) Kids. (laughs) Don't
2: drink it. (laughs) We like to teach lessons on this show. Listen to Aunt Danielle telling you (laughs) not to drink. Fuel out of don't
1: drink jet fuel. (laughs) Fucking well, all right. I'm sorry. I mean, it was probably watered down with paint thinner, though. It
0: it was probably watered down with paint thinner. Watered down with paint
1: thinner. Chase it. Chase it with
0: a little thinner.
2: Yeah, he
1: he was doing it smart. He talks about it. Oh, now you do it smart.
2: (laughs) One other uh, read real quick that I wanted to bring up that I also thought was interesting is that the two characters are actually two sides of Hubbard. Um hmm. and they find support in that theory in the fact that Hubbard was also Sorry I keep bringing up Hubbard. I've been no, it's good I was watching <laughs> Scientology yeah. the the mm-hmm. Gibney documentary yesterday. I I'm on that that vibe. Uh but he was um Hubbard was in the Navy. Um he was a seaman. I always laugh when I hear that word. I'm sorry. Keep it together, Practice. Uh, keep it together. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, Able bodied seaman. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Any he <laughs> and he was actually terrible at it Uh, but he did lie about being good at it for a long time he told all these stories about how he won all these medals and like uh, bombed these like enemy vessels and it turns out the thing he actually bombed was A a magnetic deposit uh, on the bottom of the ocean which he unloaded an ungodly amount of ammunition in um, for like Two straight days, um, until they found out it was not an enemy vessel. And then he also bombed uh, Mexico a little bit, a cluster of oh, islands. God. Yeah, and he was like uh, judged like incapable of because he was actually like in charge of a of a. I don't I don't know the lingo, guys. He was in charge of a thing in the ocean. Like he was a person in charge of, of things. And they were like, "No, he cannot be in charge of things." And he told all these stories about like his war wounds, and apparently he had he like left the army with like mild arthritis somewhere and uh, conjunctivitis, uh, which people <laughs> right. would know as uh, pink eye. Danielle, an EMT, right. can explain. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's a fairly mild ailment. Listen, it's painful. It's, <laughs> it's annoying. Pain. I, I'm not gonna. It's not fun. But but, it's, <laughs> war, but Warland,
2: <laughs> yeah, it's highly contagious too, to my knowledge. Yeah, it is uh, very <laughs> contagious, extremely. Yes. Yeah, so people kind of say that um there is a sort of interpretation too that this was like a side of 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 him. We can't like even go deep because Hubbard's life story in itself is a complete trip. It's just yeah outrageous and interesting and infuriating and all of it at the same time. Uh, We don't really have time for it, but that's That's also an an interesting little read. And uh, another interesting read is that uh, a lot of it was just random shit that uh, Paul Thomas Anderson put on the screen, which can be uh, validated because apparently a reporter asked him about uh, his water imagery in the movie because it comes up a lot, right? The the boat and everything. And then his reply was, and I quote, ha ha, those water shots are just nice. Sometimes you do things that you think are a good idea. Other times you just hope that some feeling hits uh, you when you're putting the film together. You have to follow that. I'm not trying to be arty or elusive or anything. When we come from in in the editing room can be some, uh, where we come from in the editing room can sometimes be intellectual, but more often it's pretty instinctual. More often, if you looked under the hood, you'd see how amazingly disorganized and confused we all were. So yeah, it could be that we're here debating
0: (laughs) the I like that. (laughs) See? But that's why that's why this is this is my guy. Paul Thomas Anderson (laughs) is my guy. I I I I know he makes some movies that are, are are difficult to parse at times and you mentioned Phantom Thread, um, which is not like a, you know, it's not a laugh a minute. Uh, it's not a brisk watch um, <laughs> yeah. a movie. I, enj- again, another movie I enjoy sure, sure.
3: sometimes, but
0: he will just do stuff because he thinks it looks cool or, and, and not like as deliberate as like a Tarantino, like Tarantino. I feel like um when he puts something in a movie, that's cool. There, there there's a, there's like, he's, he's always trying to say, like say something or, or like, mm-hmm. I want you to really recognize this homage that I'm making. And, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I love Tarantino too. I think Paul Thomas Anderson... Wears his influences very proudly, but is doesn't care if you get it like or not. Or like you said, or we'll throw something in like those beautiful shots. That water is almost glowing in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. It's the beautiful. Water looks beautiful! Beautiful, beautiful shot yeah. of water. And he probably felt the same way. He's probably like, "Man, we got some really great shots. Of this water. It would be a shame not to use them. Let's kind of use them to sort of break up a, a scene here, break up a scene there. And if it kind of plays off, you know, what we're going this greater theme of the film, fantastic. If it doesn't, look at the pretty water. And and I believe him when he says that. And that's kind of what I, I know. One of the reasons I like is I do think like any director of his caliber there's artistic aspirations but also just like look, like, i got into filmmaking to put cool stuff on screen and i'm gonna do and i'm gonna do that in movies now and then Mag- magnolia has a ton of that so and magnolia is yeah, another sure. movie that some people love it some people hate it but has sure. a lot of that in that movie. yeah,
2: yeah artists I, I feel like artists is, go through this a lot right like yeah, they do a thing yeah. and then everybody's like reading stuff into them they're like i didn't think of this at all but you do you it which is
1: Really fun. I mean, we talked about this in a very goofy context last week, right? Where it was what the acting choice to do a maniacal laugh at the end of in the mouth of madness, Mm -hmm. right? Where it's a lot of things are. Oh, this felt like the right thing to do here. This felt like the right thing to put into the movie here. And a lot of things are sort of invisible influence. Like, oh, this just felt right, and it feels right because you've lived, you know, however old you are in the world watching movies. Being influenced by everything that is around you and thinking that, yes, this is what I do in this situation. I do a maniacal laugh (laughs) and or I put water in the movie because this is really beautiful and it kind of fits with the theme and it kind of fits with all this stuff. A lot of things are may not even be conscious choices, but they are choices. Every single thing that's obviously on the screen is some kind of choice or some kind of accumulation of choices of every creative person who worked on it. Right. Right this is what the prop designer thought was the best choice. This is what the set designer thought was the best choice. This is what the editor thought was the best, you know, cut for the rhythm, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So all of these are choices, whether or not they are the most conscious choice or not. And like, I actually really appreciate that. I, Mm -hmm. I, as much as I did not like this movie and I I did not, I'll be clear. I do appreciate a lot of the choices that were made. And I do Mm -hmm. appreciate a lot of the sort of talent on display in every department. Um, Alex, you had notes about the cinematography and the editing, and I wanted to, like, let you let loose on those, because that's my favorite part of this. I I appreciate the acting, of course, like I had said, but I also, like, it's beautiful. It is absolutely beautiful to look at, and sometimes it's beautiful to look at in a way that's very uncomfortable, um. Many shots in this movie. Like I had to almost look away with how creeped out I was by the like department store photos. There's just something about that aesthetic oh, I love that makes that.
2: me. <gasps> it's so like, creepy. I, love I that.
1: hate it. So you know what I mean? Like I, I I like watching things like that because I get such a reaction. I'm just like, oh, what's happening? Are they all gonna die? <laughs> like it's just like a horror movie for me, right? And and that's such a specific aesthetic. So I want to let you let loose on the on the technical filmmaking aspects here because well, I know I, you had that in your notes.
0: I have like two university film credits to my name. So I am by Hell no means yeah. an expert on cinematography. Fuck uh, yes. Uh, but I will. And also by the, way, the mentioning the portrait thing, I love Fernando what you said earlier that the portrait shooting is all, if, if you'll watch that scene, you know, it's like when you make, take a portrait, they're all looking off at an angle. Like I said, they're not mm-hmm. looking at him. And I, that was something I actually hadn't noticed, but you're right. That's it's, it, there's such a lack of intimacy there for the photographer themselves because they're not, they're <laughs> focused solely on their subject and it's not, and it's not returned. So I actually had not noticed that. So that is actually really cool. Um, yeah, just a couple of notes about the cinematography and also the editing. So, and as all Paul Thomas Anderson fans know, of course, uh, he normally works <laughs> the with- The
2: Tommies? It, no. normally, <laughs> the Tommies?
0: The Tommies. Yeah, because you don't want to get confused with the Paul Anderson, the Mortal Kombat guy, right? So <laughs> okay. can, the, the other, the the other Tommy, Paul yeah. Anderson. The Paulies
3: another, and another, the Tommies. Yeah, yeah. Another <laughs> auteur,
0: of course. But, <laughs> yes. Um, so he normally does, uh, most of his films are done with the the brilliant, brilliant uh, Robert Elswit, who's just, you know, I like got a master of cinematography. He did uh, There Will Be Blood, which is my, with Paul Thomas Anderson, which is my second favorite film of sure. the last, like, of the century. Um and he'd also done a movie you guys had done on the show, uh, Nightcrawler. He did the uh, excellent. Yeah. Oh, oh, yes. Beautiful movie. Yes. And uh, a couple of Mission Possibles as well. So great, great okay. cinematographer. This was the only movie, the uh, first and only movie, I think, that uh, Paul Thomas Henson did with a Romanian cinematographer named Mihai Malamari. Okay. And it's a little bit different than some of his other movies. It's, 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 so some of the things I point out is the darks in the movie are a little muddier. If you watch some mm, of, um, sure. like Magnolia, like there's a little bit of blurriness to it. Uh, which you don't see in some of the movies. There's, with a lot of the movies, he's very clear with um, uh, some of the scenes, like even, even scenes where there's groups, uh, you know, big group crowd scenes, things like mm-hmm. that. Uh, when he's working with Robert Ellsworth, there's a clarity of, of where your eye should go and things like that. And there's some of that here, but there's also, there's a murkiness, which I assume, you know, kind of fits with the theme of being part of a cult and kind of mm-hmm. uh, that uncertainty. I, I assume that's part of it. And the movie's also got a bit of... Um, it's hard to say, uh, like a dust, like a grit to it. There's a yes, grit to the, to, to, specifically to the surfaces, like to the surfaces of of, mm. of, of people's clothing and and uh, uh, like literal, the literal surfaces of the movie, just where people walk and the walls and everything. There's a, there's a, there's a muskiness that like you don't see in a lot of his other movies. And, and I think that's going to, again, to change the cinematographer. And I think it's great. Like, I think it fits this movie so well. Um, it's also lacking um, something that again, uh, elsewhere uh helmed, PTA films have, which is sort of like signature long shots. Paul Thomas has to love those long Mm -hmm. takes. He's had some beautiful long takes in some of his previous movies. There's the um, sort of the ode to the Goodfellas Copacabana shot at the beginning of Boogie Nights. Um, There's a lot of, uh, uh, There Will Be Blood is full of them. There Will Be Blood Mm. is like three or four standout, just these long, incredible takes. There's some of that here, but they're very static. They're not very showy. They're lacking kind of the usual bombast that these kind of takes have. Uh, in a Paul Thomas Anderson film, and again, I think that's the case. Again, having a different cinematographer, a different technique, a different kind of method of collaboration. So, yeah, it works differently, um, and it ma- it makes it distinct. I think from all of his other all of his other movies, it might be why he says this is sort of um, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson. Why he says it's like his favorite of his own movies. It is, it is distinct. It is not like mm-hmm.
2: uh,
0: any other movie he's done.
2: Kind of gives it a dream like sort of quality yes, that definitely. also wraps into the narrative because there are some scenes where we find that. Freddie was dreaming that we didn't know, right? Like when he gets the phone call in the middle of the movie and you're like, mm-hmm. how is this person getting a telephone handed to him in the middle of a movie?
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that was a real thing back then. That was a real thing once upon a time, <laughs> Fernanda. Before day.
2: How did they find him in that theater oh, yes, from that, England? That it. Find you know the number.
0: You <laughs> know what's amazing about what that scene is? And I only found, uh, I only realized this after thank God watching this movie again for whatever third or fourth time for the show. There was a line early in the movie where the military psychologist is, uh, you know, kind of um, just yeah. giving him an examination. And he asks him about a vision he had. And, uh, walking Phoenix says, Oh, it was a dream, not a vision. And it's, mm. and this is way early. This is like the first five minutes of the movie right away is like a hint right there to what happens at the end, because he cannot distinguish between a dream and a vision. Mm-hmm. And, only this is the first time when I, and I saw the ending again, I'm like, oh, like, cause there's the question of, is it a dream? Is it a vision? What's real? And to him, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. And I guess to us, it's also not supposed to matter. Yeah. Um, the, the call that draw, yeah, I, that's, that blew my mind when I, when I watched it again. That
2: is true. There was a, a thing, yeah. Like one of the interpretations and that's when you accept that he's a very unreliable narrator. Um, I usually like to source my these things but I read so I don't remember but somebody was talking about this like uh how when once you accept it's a very unreliable narrator you can read so much as just his imagination even the aggressive handjob scene uh, can be perceived as <laughs> <laughs> his imagination or even Peggy's imagination one interpretation I read was that and that makes Peggy's character more interesting is that that scene where everybody gets naked and like Dot is this clothed dancing oh, only, with uh, only
1: the
0: uh, uh so all the men are clothed all, yeah, the, all men the men are, men are clothed. clothed you're <laughs> right
2: and the women are naked nakey um Baby. they <laughs> nakey, nakey. <laughs> Und- in uh, stages of undress that it's also peggy's and he's staring intently at peggy right uh who is naked but you can't really see anything because she's in she's in a chair and she's staring at him but that could also be peggy's imagination So, yeah, that that can be interesting, but also kind of lazy, right? Because once you're like, oh, who knows what's real and what's not? Like, it can give you a lot of room (laughs) for a lot of shit. So who knows?
0: But we, but we know we are we, that we are to see certain things through his lens again. Everyone yes. being naked, and also later he changes her eye color. She's kind of testing yeah. him and saying, Ch- "Change my eye color," and it actually does change on screen. So we see what he sees. So that's, yeah. I mean, that's definitely true. We're, we are told there are certain things you are seeing yeah. through Freddy's eyes. So just be be wary of that. You know,
2: you're
1: right. It's weird. It's, it's sort of something I'm, I'm struggling with how to fully. Fully lay this out. But I recently saw a movie that is very sort of, like, experimental horror animation. I just saw Mad God, just for, for whatever it's worth. Which is, like, on Shutter, And it's basically a silent film. Not actually silent. Just no dialogue, really. And everything about it is sort of poetic and mm-hmm. up to interpretation and so on and so forth. And I, like, loved that. I was all about it. I was like, give me more. Get, put it in my veins. <laughs> but then something like The Master... Maybe it's, it has to do with expectations and maybe it has to do with, oh, I'm looking at a prestige period piece mm-hmm. and it's giving me things that are not necessarily that. Yeah. Um, it's giving me things that I generally like, but maybe just not in this context. Okay. Uh, potentially. Um, but I like, I'm always struggling with myself. When I don't like something that I think a lot of smart people like. (laughs) And I don't know, like, is this a common thing? I I really don't like to be, uh, like, uh, um, against things just for the sake of it. Like, I really don't I I really prefer to enjoy everything in the world yeah. I think life is too fucking short like I don't want to be a contrarian like I want to like things
2: yeah. people who have listened to the show know as it Danielle it's they like know. Danielle is yeah. a generous person
1: I really am and I'm like I don't <laughs> like disliking things it makes me kind of angry especially when I can kind of see you know what certain things what they were going for even if it maybe doesn't measure up for me or something mm-hmm. falls short for me but I guess I do want to, like, be incredibly clear that I think the craft of this film is incredible and that there is something to be said for being able to enjoy the craft, even if you don't enjoy the movie. I actually mm-hmm. feel this way about The Godfather, and I know I'll be cancelled a thousand times over. Beautifully crafted, absolutely masterful in every way, but doesn't do that much for me personally as a human being. Uh,
2: I've never watched it, so... Yeah. Cancel us, it's world. Favorite, I dare I guess. you. One of
0: my favorite movies, guys. I'm of sorry, Alex. I'm oh,
2: sorry. You, are, you and, and Rodrigo have the same taste. We saw it. Is. <laughs> you have I think the same taste
0: in movies. It's absurd. I think we do. I know. Honestly, yeah,
1: yeah. I want the dark side version of our podcast that's Rodrigo <laughs> and right Alex, like talking about a movie that we hated, but y'all like loved. That oh, yeah. would be the best.
0: <laughs> Rodrigo, I'll, uh, I'll DM you. I'll DM you, buddy. <laughs> right. I'll DM you. I got you. I'll DM it's,
1: it's like you love to see it dark side. Like, I don't yeah. know. We have to, like, not dark side. That makes it sound like sinister, but, but like. Alternative, you know, like the alternative side, the B side. I don't know, something
0: fun. Yeah. I, I don't think you're wrong about your expectations for this movie because it, <laughs> it is the kind of movie that it strikes you as like, why can't this movie have a narrative? And that's not to say all <laughs> movies should, and that's not to say all movies should. Yeah. And not, not you know, not all movies should, and this one doesn't, and that's fine. That's a deliberate choice. That's a deliberate right. choice. Right. Yeah. Um, but you're right. When you when you read the you know you see the trailer, you read the plot on paper, you're like this could have a logical arc. This should build to a conflict yeah. between the main the protagonist and and the the master. Um, and it's kind of, it, it never really does. It never really... Like, what is... Here's my question is, what what is the climax of this movie? I think
2: uh, it's the song. The hand job. I think it's nope. the song. Oh, the
1: handjob?
0: Fernanda, <laughs> that's, <laughs> oh, that's a different kind of climax. Uh, <laughs> so, it's a little too early other, in the film. Other
2: climax, okay. It's the song, yeah. <laughs> Danielle is correct. Though the prison was, scene, sure. I think, is a climax too. Right? It,
0: but Maybe, it's not... Yeah. I feel like yeah. it's not clear. I feel like it's not clear. And again, sure, that's sure. that's probably on purpose, probably intentional. But it's, it's I think one reason why so, so many people might be frustrated with this movie and some some of Paul Thomas Anderson's more like obtuse works because he's made movies with pretty clear like Boogie Nights obviously is early sure, on. Yeah. So I imagine he wanted to make something a little more crowd pleasing. Um, Punch struck love. I think even Phantom Thread has a pretty clear narrative. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. You do have to read into the characters a little bit, but the narrative is it's pretty. There's a point A, point B, point C, I, point D. I think it's actually Thread.
1: a fairly straight narrative. It's just yeah. that the you know presentation of it is a little more yes. dreamy or you know however surreal. Yeah but the yeah. master doesn't have
0: that. And I, and I think you, there is a question of why, why couldn't he tighten the story up a little bit again? Would it yeah. have made it a better movie? I don't know. Yeah. More, more accessible. Yeah, definitely. Right.
2: That's uh, one of the, the text that I mentioned on uh, Roger I highly recommend it. Like it's longer, uh, but I, because it's exactly sort of this, that we're debating. And I think it's interesting to read all these reviews from different points of view, because these are all smart people who know what they're talking about. And a, they have different, completely different takes on the movie Mm -hmm. and they have different takes on this uh, too and what Danielle was saying about the expectations it is real and it is real with the directors as well I feel like if Paul Thomas Anderson did this movie at a different stage of his career people maybe wouldn't be as generous as they were with it because Mm -hmm. they right like when you're watching a movie by some rando and you don't it doesn't really make a lot of sense you're like oh this rando doesn't know how to make things make sense and we know that Paul Thomas Anderson (laughs) knows how to make a movie so we're like so this has to have been on purpose like this isn't just some schmuck doing shit that we don't <laughs> – just doing whatever. <laughs> yeah. like, so if I don't understand – and then like what you said, Danielle, it's very real. I get that a lot. And that's why sometimes I go to the other end. Like, oh, these people are pretending they like it to sound smart. Nobody likes this. Um, <laughs> yes. But but with, with this, I think there is a lot of that, right? And then you you hear the, the, the conversation about it and then you're like, oh, I must be missing something. So this is not a one-watch movie. Like, it's good. It's objectively good. So if you don't think it's good, then maybe you just didn't pay enough attention, right? So, like, right, right. I feel like they're all... This is exactly the kind of uh, movie that lends itself to all these kinds of interpretations. And I, myself, am like... Like, uh, Alex, you just said, like, yeah, maybe he could have given this a better, a tighter uh, feel or given this characters a little more uh, meat or something like... Like that or more direction and and you kind of like is this kind of lazy to just let things so open-ended that you can just like pick up on any thread and go with it and it's all up to kind of the spectator uh to make the experience of the movie isn't the director supposed to guide us through this movie or is it actually the genius of it that we all have these can have these conversations in all these different aspects and you know that's actually quite masterful to leave it that open or maybe it's both. So it's kind of like, that's interesting. I, I'm kind of tempted to think that there is a place and time for everything. And that like, you know, sure. whatever floats your boat. Uh, but. Yeah, it's very. Yeah.
0: Can I, can please. I just say, can I just yeah. say, uh, cause I feel like this is a safe place. Cause so I feel like it's a place of healing. It is. And it kind of connects to this movie because Johnny Greenwood, the amazing Johnny Greenwood did the soundtrack for this film. Gotcha. Uh, I don't understand Radiohead, guys. All right, I'm just going to say, it. I feel like we're, I don't get it. I don't get anything post OK Computer. I'm a I'm a creep, just uh, fake plastic trees guy. You know, I don't understand the, <laughs> the newer stuff. So this like as you guys we uh, were both kind of talking about this movie, like I, I couldn't like the 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 the, the obligation to kind of like enjoy something that is so critically acclaimed. Yeah. And like just you sure. all my fr- like, all your friends are like, oh, you got to see this or listen to this. Like, This is the greatest yeah. thing ever. And then how kind of alone you feel when you don't get it. Yeah. And like alone and yeah, infe- yeah. inferior or, or angry in Fernanda's case, rebellious, rebelling against it. <laughs> and I, I don't go that far. Like I, I would never, I don't think Radiohead sucks. I wouldn't say that. But I feel like sure, so sure. sad when I listen to it, and I know I'm not. <laughs> okay. Uh, like, like, I'm not getting the same fulfillment that 90% of apparently intelligent people do. So I'm sorry, that's I don't want to go off on a tangent. That's no, a whole it's other good show. Though. That's for yeah. that's for you love to sing it. At some <laughs> yes, I love to
1: sing it, baby!
3: Yes, <laughs> and, <laughs>
0: I, but I, this is, I needed this. I needed to let that out into the yeah. world. I needed yeah. people to know because I've just feel, I've been living with this secret for so long. I don't understand. I don't understand Radiohead. <laughs> Absolutely. Understand.
1: Absolutely. There can appreci- be an appreciation of craft without personally enjoying something. Yeah. And like sometimes movies hit us that way and that's what it is and that's okay too. Honestly, I'm, so I'm, I did not, I did not like this movie but I love talking about it with mm-hmm. y'all. Like I've had such a good time like breaking these things down and actually sort of coming at it from different angles and understanding where y'all are coming from and, and trying to understand where I'm coming from. Cause I don't even know where I'm coming from half the time. Right. I think that's also probably normal because sometimes we don't know why we don't like things and that's cool too. But yeah, I'm glad we did this because I have a better appreciation of several things now than I used to, even if it's not the master. itself. <laughs> like I still have a better appreciation of a lot of things that went into it, which makes me feel good.
2: Yeah, you just have to watch it twice. Okay. (laughs) I have not,
1: uh, I have not. It took me like three or four sittings. I'm not gonna
3: lie. Did it really?
1: Yeah. I didn't know. It just wasn't for me y'all, but it's okay. You know what? I get it. I don't like to eat meat. I'm a vegetarian, not because I like, You know, I do love animals and that's fine, but that's not why. It's cuz I don't like it. It's easy oh. for me. Like I there's whole categories of things out there that just aren't
2: for me and it's
0: This okay. is a safe space. This uh, it's a Fernanda, safe space, Fernanda you want to throw something out there? Uh
2: <laughs> I I already throw it all out there. I'm an embarrassing person. I feel like <laughs> every like I every episode I discuss like my horrible tastes and just like <laughs> all the ways in which i'm just not good at being like human um no there's no specific you're a great human, okay <laughs> stop <it. thing laughs> yeah. um, we love you but i'm yeah. like i'm like you alex like i like the more popular radio heads um and i have a husband radio who heads. is a, a, an into, radio heads yeah he's an intellectual <laughs> of these things and i accuse sure. him of being pretentious sure. and he's like no, but I like popular things too. Like I listen to Dua Lipa with you. I'm like
3: okay, mm-hmm. be- yeah. Well,
2: those oh, things don't cancel each that's other. So cute. <laughs> he gets very offended when I say he's uh, like snobby, but he likes smart person things. And I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it.
0: <laughs> I, <out> <laughs> I, I don't want to take the reins of the show, but I, I know we've been going for a while, guys. I but we have to talk about the fighting.
2: The fighting. I oh my be, god! I yes, I'm so sorry.
0: I would be remiss if we didn't <sighs> talk about the. I don't know how much time we yes. have, but whatever yes. time we have, please can we talk about the fighting? In yeah, movie?
1: we we can do this very briefly. Um, <laughs> I it was something I noticed because our guy wrestles everybody. He's a wrestler. He's going yeah. for double legs on everyone, on everyone, on the cops and they're arrested, you know, like everyone. He's clearly a wrestler. There's beach wrestling in this movie. That was like my favorite scene. I was really excited to see beach wrestling. Cause it's my favorite thing to do on a beach. I know I'm a really weird person anyway, because I have two MMA, you know, uh, knowledgeable people. I kind of wanted to just ask like, where do you see, like where would this guy land? In like a fight, like is he just like going to amateur smokers and maybe doing okay, or like could he actually kind of fight? I, I I don't know. I kind of think he
2: could fight. To be honest, like I I think it could be. I'm gonna throw out a name, a Jason Knight type of fighter. Oh, okay, okay, okay. okay.
0: Higdias, <laughs> <No! Hick-Diaz!
2: laughs> I I that's kind of my read on it. Like scrappy Will Win fights does not have the discipline to become a champion. Will probably be kicked out of several gyms uh for going too hard on his training mm. partners. Uh Will go on binges and disappear for days. And everybody would be like, oh, if only he applied himself. <laughs> so much raw talent, so much power on that right hand, so much grit. refuses to quit, no quit in that guy, but won't try hard enough. See-
0: my my worry is that he would actually be embraced by that he would actually fit like a glove in the jujitsu world and oh, like fall right, right down oh. that that QAnon Q- oh. conspiracy oh. theory guy. I think he'd bite oh, into that, uh, only, but only for a little bit before abandoning it as he does everything else. So you know, it, sure. it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't stick. Um, he hits a nice head and arm throw, kind of in the the sure. fight with the with uh, uh, the third fight in the movie. I think where one of the guys is oh, questioning the whole book. Someone, someone, who had edited one of uh, Dodd's previous books, right, he's like, yeah, right, this right, book right. is this book is trash. Uh, he hits a nice end, head and had an arm throw there, get some ground and pound in. So that was nice. But, uh, Daniel, I actually wanted to ask you, cause I know you do, you do, uh, you practice jujitsu regularly, yes. right? Yes. You, sure and you do, do gi- you do gi jujitsu, right?
1: I do both. I do both. Um I'm much more of a no-gi girl, but I make okay. myself train in a gi every week. You have to. You have to, right? <laughs> That's I nice. make myself because I, I like to compete in both, but yeah.
0: Did, did you think he had potential, you know, the first fight when he fights the guy who he's he's putting the heat on and the taking his portrait, he he goes right for the suit. You know, he's grabbing he to the does. suit. I'm like, I'm like, is there some so I, I immediately thought I gotta ask Danielle, yeah, is there absolutely. some gi... is there some gi jujitsu potential there? He kind of gives up on it too quickly, but I do like his instincts. I think exactly. he he's got he right him right with, he with a tie. He tried to choke him with a tie.
1: I was really impressed, actually. That was what made me think of asking this question. I mean, first there was a beach wrestling with, like, just the boys on the beach. So I was like, oh, that's fun. But then that was like, oh, my God, yeah, he's going for the, the real-life jujitsu kind of shit. You know? Like, where it's like, oh, street jujitsu kind of shit is going on here, which is... Exciting and fun to watch and talk about,
0: <laughs> and then and then he just starts throwing glass at the guy. So it kind of breaks down. His his yeah. technique breaks down pretty quickly.
2: Yeah, well, um if that's that discipline, that's that lack of discipline right there. You know, going to his darkest instincts, like guys. it would need to, yeah. it would need to be reined in a bit. And I don't know if it could, but I think maybe, it could maybe. have a, maybe some 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 uh, future and kind of like the underground circuit, like in a movie about MMA in which they always have those underground like tournaments, he'd be the guy that the good guy beats at the end. Oh yeah. I think yeah, he has that kind of, yes. It'd be like the bone crusher or something. There is an actual bone crusher. Who is it? I'm sorry. The case is the bone crusher.
0: Yeah. Mark Giacchese. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I'm sorry uh, about stealing your nickname, but he would have some vague thing like this, like the clavicle buster. Is that better? And um, yeah,
0: yeah. Van Damme would sing to him at the end to like throw him <laughs> off. He'd sing a song and it would just like, st- oh, put him in a trance and then Van Damme would just start breaking up the high kicks on his ass. That's yeah. that's how oh, he beat him in the end.
1: That's exactly it. Oh my so, god. It's that's, a pretty established That's the narrative. master that's like the sensei instead of the master. Like that's, straight,
0: that's the alternate movie. Straight that's to like, bye, <laughs> bye. That's that's, enough, by, like, would be directed by Paul Anderson. The other one. Um, <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> the other one. Yeah, Alternative exactly. Paul Anderson. Yeah.
1: Alternative Paul well, Anderson alternative movie, The Professor, but it's like Jujitsu Professor. I said sensei so that other people understand, but like, you know, it's professor in my as
2: heart. uh Paul said we'd we'd order enough stock for the store of this uh jam.
1: Yeah, for real. For real. For real. Alright, I know we're I know we're running a, li- a bit late. I'm sorry. This was yeah. a rich text, though. Rich we text. had a truly rich text mm-hmm. this week. Uh and we're moving into now our final section. Of, of our, our podcast. This is where uh, we call it Shelf Life. And this is where we decide where the movie belongs in our video store. If it's a bona fide staff pick, it's displayed proudly, if it's a middle aisle placement, or if this deuce. Needs the dumpster out back. Alex, you're our guest of honor. I want you to go first, my friend. I think I know what you're going to say, but I want no, you to go first. <laughs> I,
0: I actually, I, even though I've kind of like, I guess, defended the movie of points in this show, I, I don't sure. love this movie. Okay, I, I okay. actually do not love this okay. movie. I think it's straight up middle aisle, especially okay. mm. compared to his other movies, which I may, which I may enjoy more. And, sure. I, and I have a feeling this is probably not an unpopular opinion amongst other people. Paul Thomas Andersonians, you know, yes. I think um <laughs> Yeah. I guess depending depending on which side of his aesthetic you enjoy the most, right? Like I like I said, I love Boogie Nice, like I love um There Will Be Blood. Uh movies I think, you know, are, are a little more clear as as to where they're going. People might disagree on There Will Be Blood, but I think it's pretty clear. Oh, Rodrigo um, loves
2: it. It's his favorite.
0: Yeah, it's I love that movie. Uh Pizza, I really enjoyed it recently as well, his most recent film. So sure. I have not it, seen so, that
2: yet, so you yeah. yeah. have to see it. It's
0: pretty good. More skeevy age stuff, but you know, whatever. This sure. guy's got a <laughs> <That's fine>. Sure. <laughs>
3: um
0: so, yeah, yeah. I, I think Middle Isle is the perfect spot for it. I, I, I would not, it would not be a staff pick. My staff pick would be one of the other Paul Thomas Anderson gotcha. films probably, gotcha. right? Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed watching it again. I probably will watch it again sometime in the future. I, I think it's really fascinating and engaging to watch, but not something I would necessarily tell our, the uh, the Yieldsey customers, hey, bro, you got to check this out. Like, <laughs> I'd say yeah. like, yeah, if you got nothing better to do, and you, and you, or, or you're going down a deep Paul Thomas Anderson hole, definitely pick it up add it to the collection but uh i don't i don't think it's like a must see film or, or i should say a, it's not a must enjoy film it's gotcha gotcha film. yes
2: that's a good it's a good assessment a must not a must sense. enjoy uh, I will, well, <laughs> yeah Fernanda. First, first i first i'll go on a slight digression because i thought of a, an embarrassing weird thing about me two things Please. i don't like concerts hate concerts don't like going to concerts okay. and okay. i don't like soup hate soup okay all kinds okay. of soup I don't, I, soup is, it's an intellectual food that I hate. Uh, and I will also read Paul's The Witcher 3 Sucks. I said it. I don't know what that means, but Paul Tamayo, our wonderful producer, would like to get it off his chest. So we all got things.
0: It's a safe there space, guys. I We're did healing. We're all healing it. together. I did see
2: it, but We're you know healing. what? Here We're all is. healing together. We're yeah. healing. God is working <laughs> on all of us, as Paul would say. Uh, or what is the alien that they believe uh, in? um Scientology. Well, that alien oh, is working on is, all of us. Is it, it's right.
1: not Elron. It's like, it's a uh, hmm. Alien. Zenu, it's
2: something. Zenu. Zenu. There we go. There we, we got there. Go. We got exactly. there. Yes. Yeah, but Zenu is Eve. I don't know. Uh, other other podcasts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need a part two for all of this. Yeah. Uh, but I will say I'm with I'm absolutely with Alex. Like, even though we are, I feel like Alex and I are in different spectrums of the of the middle aisle here, Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. of enjoyment. But I also, I wouldn't put it as a staff pick, obviously, uh, because we go by feeling on this show. um, And yeah, not feeling it, but I also wouldn't call it a dumpster pick. I feel like whether I admire it intellectually because I felt pressured by society or whether I actually... (laughs) (laughs) It's the thing I will still, I don't think I'll ever be able to unpack. Uh, But yes, to me, it's a very clear, uh, respectable middle aisle that we should uh, recommend only under, we will recommend under special circumstances. Sure, sure, sure.
1: I'm good with that. I'm good with the middle aisle. I, again, it's not my favorite. I didn't love it, but I can appreciate the craft of it. And I, I think that is worth something. And also these performances alone, like even if the movie was the most dog shit movie of all time, when some element of it is clearly, clearly like beautiful and to be celebrated, that's, that's elevating it above the dumpster. Like, let's be clear. We're not, we're not big on the dumpster here. (laughs) And this is a very well-crafted piece of work. Mm. All right. So middle aisle, I think that's fair. I think I feel good about that. Um, I appreciate y'all. And, uh, And what we've done here today. I'm going to read our cool outro. And actually, before I do that, Alex, would you like to plug your work? Would you like to plug some things? Please, let's plug. Okay. (laughs)
0: Uh, Thank you, guys. That was so much fun. Yeah, listen, if uh, people want to know more about me, uh, I write for MMAfighting.com. We do all kinds of YouTube shows and podcasts, and you'll see and hear me on those every now and then. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at Alexander K. Lee. Uh, and that's about it it's pretty simple you know uh, 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 so I, I just want to know um, guys yeah. do I uh, these uh, UFC DVD uh, it's VHS's that I have here yeah. uh, oh, is it yeah. a deal yeah. is it rent to get one free <laughs> uh, do I get to keep them for more than a week because no. um, this looks pretty <laughs> compelling stuff uh, I really want I really want to get into this yeah I really want to get into this we
2: the don't world. let you have it because once no, you have it you're not you're not getting out it's true. it's like it's you like the, <laughs> you can, can watch. it's like with Hubbard uh, he says that one of the books he wrote uh, and in this uh, harkens back to in my mouth of madness or less movie uh, he says that the book he wrote was so amazing that people who read it uh, went insane and uh, yeah Sometimes committed suicide because what they oh, read no. was too spectacular, too mind blowing. They weren't oh ready God. for it. So yes, we we are not we are not letting people watch the UFC tapes. They're All not right, is ready. Is it cool?
0: Is it cool if I hang? Uh, my mom's gonna pick me up in like half an hour. Cool
2: like to hang <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, like, have some popcorn. Have okay. some popcorn. Yeah,
0: okay. we got
1: some. You know, it's about to expire next week. Here, you okay. go ahead. You you have this oh. popcorn. You go watch something you want. You <laughs> know, it's cool. It's chill. We're a pretty chill store. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you can hang out. Thank you so much, Alex. I really appreciated having Thank you on you the show. It was so much fun. Uh, we'll have you back. Don't worry. You're not you're not through with us yet. <laughs> Alright, dear friends, that is what we have for you this week. Uh, thank you so, so much uh, for listening. And thank you so much to my co host for joining me. Thank you at home for, for listening. And thank you to our producer, Paul. Afterlife Frenemy Tamayo. Great name, Paul. Always with the great names. Uh, for all the help in making this show not only not suck, but, you know, kind of rule. That's what I think. We would love to hear from you. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please send us an email to YLTSI at fanbite.com. That's YLTSI at fanbyte.com. Send us your reviews, recommendations, questions, any general feedback, and maybe we'll even read it on the show. And we would super appreciate it, so please do send us a note. If you like the work that we do and want to show us some support, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or rate us on Spotify. It really, genuinely does go a long way in helping us out. So if you have a second, please go ahead and do that. You can find links to our other podcasts, our Discord, and our socials in the show notes. And until next time... You love to see it.